0: Thank you for downloading Fearless in Devotion, a podcast all about Wrexham AFC. Here
1: they come, almighty champions. Raise your voices to the anthem,
0: marching with our mighty- and all to fearless in devotion. The podcast sponsored, of course, as you all know by now. you should do by the Fat Ball Bar and Restaurant. Now, yesterday we had all in a nice time. We were we sponsored the match, didn't we? Rex versus Borum Wood. Good, good food. Good food, yeah. Enjoyed it. Drinks were had.
2: Many drinks were had on my and more than others.
0: <laughs> all right, all right,
3: mum. <laughs> How did you know I was talking about you? <laughs>
0: Now, we're going to talk about the match um, and uh, everything else after the interview this week because I know that most of you will want to get quickly to our special guest this week, Humphrey Carr, the executive director of Wrexham AFC, and Fleur Robinson, the chief executive, who were very kind to give us their time to celebrate one year since the takeover was ratified. Um, So without uh, much further ado, here's the chat we had with them earlier in the week.
3: on this week's podcast we're continuing our look back on the last 12 months we marked the one year anniversary of Wrexham's takeover by ryan reynolds and rob McElhenney, and we're very excited to be able to bring to you two of the key people who've been involved in the day-to-day running of the club our first guest is an actor writer and comedian who after playing lots of football manager decided he wanted a taste of the real thing by getting involved as an executive director a non-league football club our second guest left the bright lights of burton behind last year to come and join the adventure bringing over a highly impressive CV after a successful spell as commercial director with the Brewers. So without further ado, it's our absolute pleasure to welcome to the podcast Humphrey Kerr and Fleur Robinson.
4: Hello. Hi, you okay. Welcome. Thanks very
3: much both for coming on. Uh, I mean, to start off with, uh, it's been a pretty uneventful 12 months, hasn't it? (laughs) Uh, Start signings, a new manager... Lots of aviation gin and um, a little bit of heartache on the field as well. Um, just tell us what the the last year has been like for you both, and what have been
5: some of your highlights. Well, uh, I mean, for me, it's been it's been you know it's it's difficult to escape the world of cliche, but it's been a bit of a whirlwind. Um, it's been a big shift, obviously, in my um, my working life, my my personal experience of my my. Uh, interaction and love of, uh, interaction with and love of football. Like this is a very, uh, a very new environment for me, but it's been, you know, one of the most overwhelmingly positive experiences of my, of my life, like getting, getting to be part of something, um, as I think genuinely important as this is, um, is yeah, is a source of real pride and pleasure and excitement. So, um, I, I've loved every minute of it, to be honest with you
4: yeah for me obviously i've not quite done the 12 months but uh, you know it's been an incredible busy time you know getting to know obviously all the staff and and the systems and and the race course ground itself the history and and obviously the fans and uh, it's been incredible looking at the numbers we're getting at home games and uh, you know the excitement around everywhere it's been absolutely tremendous
3: you've both been pretty complimentary there but i'm going to Push you Humphrey? Have there been any moments at all <laughs> where you thought, "Why on earth did I get involved with a football club?" Um,
5: actually, funny enough, probably the moment that I was I most felt like that was it was in the the forty five minutes to an hour before the takeover went through because I was in the uh, I was in the stands at FC United of Manchester's stadium. We were playing Altrincham that night, and they'd asked us to move it to a to a different location because their pitch was so terrible. It was like minus four or five degrees, which, you know, in, in days of yore, I wouldn't have been too upset about, but I have been living in California for 10 years and I'm not used to being that cold anymore. I had Rob calling me and texting me every five minutes, being like, is it? Is it done? Is it done? I'm, I'm going on to, I'm telling everyone we bought the club and maybe like, um, no, I don't, I really don't think. I mean, I know that sort of technically, yes, everything's been agreed, but we just need the final paperwork. But it's not really a good look if you say you've bought something, you haven't bought something yet. And, you know, someone might, I don't know, someone might come out and be like, well, technically he hasn't bought the club. And then it all becomes, well, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. You've got, you've got, I'm going to do it in five minutes. And me then desperately calling Sean Harvey, who was, who was liaising with uh, the guys from the WST at that point, being like, has it happened? Has it happened? Him being like, well, if it had happened, I would have called you, wouldn't I, or texted you. And like, well, I know, but it's just Rob called me and I've, I've got to go back to him and tell him that I, <laughs> I've talked to you. And then meanwhile, Things were going great on the pitch. I think we won 3-2 that night. We, we um, uh, yeah, it was sort of, it was, it was during a, that patch where I think it was before Kwame, it was definitely before Kwame got injured and, like, Kwame was kind of just starting to hit this really purple patch of form at that stage. Um, he was giving them a very torrid time. And, um, uh, but it was, I was stressed and I, I, my hands were freezing. Every time he rang, I was like, I've got to get my hand out of my pocket and and answer the bloody telephone. (laughs) Um, And um, yeah, at that stage, I think I was like, why on earth you could be, what time is it in California? It's like midday, be nice and warm. You're about to have lunch. Uh, You could just be having a very relaxing time rather than being shouted at by, um, uh, you know, my beloved boss. He does listen to this podcast, uh, I know. um, So I need to make sure he knows that. Of course, ultimately, he can call me anytime and ask anything of me. But at that moment, yes, I was like, this this has got to be easier lives than this.
0: I'm just going to edit that last bit out, Humphrey. Sure.
5: Very cross. Just the sort of thing that someone who now works for ITV would do. <laughs> I'm definitely going to cut that <laughs> out. As a, as a, as a long-serving uh, um, uh, employee of the BBC, I've got to say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and burn my, my Reese Williams jersey outside, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> outside broadcasting house.
0: How about that? I've had worse. It's fine as long as you're not shouting <laughs> at me about Jimmy Savile. It's an improvement. Um, uh, yes, sure. I said I
2: was sorry about that.
0: <laughs> also, Humphrey, can I just check one thing? Are you <clears throat> uh, car or curve? Sell it for me once and for all. That's very. That is
5: very um, good of you. I ludicrously, it's car. I I, I don't know why. I, I that the reason for that is lost in the mist of time. But but in the same way that like. There's Deborah Carr, Brian Carr, who used to be the manager for, for Republic of Ireland. I think he also pronounced it Carr like that. I don't know. I just thing.
0: like the point that I've always called you Carr and Liam called you Kerr in the intro. But, but
5: I never, I usually never correct anyone because it's just too, it's it, 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 it's not even like I've got a complicated surname and actually people just take a shot at it and get it wrong. It's like, no, it's spelt Kerr. because so you should not pronounced <laughs> yeah. Kerr, but I don't know. That's so funny. yeah, I never correct anyone.
3: No worries. What is Robin Ryan's level of involvement in, say, the the day to day running of the club? Are they in
5: contact every day with you? Every other day? What what does that look like? I, I would say I speak to them every. I, I I speak to them in. I say speak. I mean, I'm either texting or 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 emailing or calling or speaking. To them like every, pretty much pretty much every day, about about one thing or another. Um, you know, particularly it's obviously been very intense over the last month because they are, as am I, I have to confess, we all love the transfer window. Like that's exciting for us as well. Like we have, we have, we share that same sense of like, Ooh, who can we get? Like, how, how can we do it? Like, what, how's it going to work? Um, so that's been a very intense period of contact, but I would say in terms of like the day-to-day operations of, of the club, that is, that is something that they remain, confident in their decision it's just like let's find people who've done this before and know how this works um who are going to be best placed to make these decisions and and so things you know filter up through Fleur to me sometimes then I then I will then I'll take it to take it to them and then it comes back from me to Fleur and then it gets passed down to whoever the kind of relevant person is Um, so you know it's it's a sort of uh, yeah, it, com- it comes and goes in in flurries of things, you know, and and as kind of the bigger strategic activity stuff comes along, like like the reacquisition of the freehold, or or you know thoughts about um, next season's kit, or or whatever it may be. Like those are those are things that you know inevitably they they will have a say on.
3: I think one of the probably the biggest moments of the last twelve months, without doubt, was the their both of them coming over to visit, perhaps unexpectedly. The timing of it. I think everyone was expecting them to come for the Saturday game against Torquay, and then lo and behold, they turned up uh, on a Tuesday night. What? What are both your your memories of that trip? Are there any funny stories that maybe people perhaps don't know about from that trip? Flur, do you have any? Do you
4: have any ones? I don't think I have any funny stories.
0: <laughs> think of oh, a funny oh, story. Come on, this is this is not good enough. <laughs> uh, well, <I> can't. I'm uh... <laughs> joking.
5: I mean the the I will say that the. I was impressed by the great British spirit of the maidenhead fans who who pivoted on a dime to think of all sorts of creative ways to insult our owners as they came as they came at the stadium. I was really thrilled that they they did that, that maidenhead away was was like on the agenda because I think if they if they'd done the race course and then say gone to 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 Knotts county or or you know or even uh, Chesterfield, say, um you know, which you might expect them to go for the kind of the top of the table clash big games. I don't think they would have got a sense, a full sense of what the National League is and like where and where you are. And the Maidenhead trick was just such a perfect encapsulation of it in terms of like, you know, wrong player gets sent off. We we we're 2 0 down at that stage on what was supposed to be like, well, this is great. We picked Maidenhead. It's, it's a, a, an old ground, but you know we should turn them over without without any real without any real trouble. I think we come off the back of going to Aldershot and doing uh, doing great. You know we had those two away games at Aldershot and Kings Lynn, where it's like, oh yeah, we're you know we we're, we're firing, we're we're great away from home. This would be an, an, a nice doubleheader for them, and then yeah, it all goes spectacularly wrong in in the surroundings of a stadium that has eighty seats or whatever it is, and then the rest the rest of it is standing. And so, and yeah, so it's like, welcome to the National League. This, this is, this is what it is. Um, everybody can brutalize you on their day in, in surroundings that like most high school football teams in, in the U S would be like, this is the pit, this is where you play the game. Um, and I say that with genuinely with respect to main cause I love going to those proper old grounds where, where you've got like a rope separating you from, from the playing surface. So yeah, it was, it was a really great. Day out, albeit we would rather have come away with six points from those two games rather than one.
2: Humphrey, was was the Maidenhead trip always planned, or did, was it just the scheduling that came together that allowed them to do that at the last minute? It, did it, the players it was that.
5: Mm. Uh, The right. players, no, Phil knew, but the players, the players, I don't think did know which. Um, was was a, you know there was, a, there was a debate about that. So well, first of all, to answer the first part of your question, it was it was basically just a scheduling thing. It was like okay, we we are now going to be free because one of the challenges is when they finish shooting, there's like a grace period where they have to kind of be available in case they need to do reshoots and things. So they fin- They both finished their two projects, and I think there was some people. There was some debate about like, oh, they, they, surely they'll be coming like this week. they have finished, but basically they have to sit. Waiting for a little while, but once they got clearance, it basically was like, "Oh okay, well, in two weeks' time, there are these two games in a row, Torquay at home should should be good uh and then you know you initially as you say we we thought come for that, and they were like, well, we can actually come a bit earlier um so yeah, then maidenhead came on uh came onto the onto the picture um and then yes the 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 players didn't know it was felt that like telling them might put them under more pressure than than uh not letting them know albeit the cat was out of the bag pretty early on I'm sure that that the first time someone came for a throw-in down on on that side where they were they were like oh god the owners are here.
0: Fleur um well, about that trip you know Humphrey and uh, you know the guy he's got to sort of swan around like prima donnas, uh, and but someone's got to sort of roll up their sleeve and do the hard work. Was that just a really tough week for you? I'm
4: glad you've identified that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Uh, yes, I was pulling a face all through that question because I was like, "Oh God, yes, this is very accurate, is a very accurate assessment."
4: But, but having done what I've done for this many years, like you get used to that, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? And it's you know, it's great to see you know it be successful and to see the guys actually here, and you know, to see everybody at the racecourse ground. So it's you know, it's fantastic week for everybody, and uh, a lot of hard work behind the scenes by many people, and you know, it was a great success. So.
0: Because obviously you're CEO. Do you kind of see your job as working if sort of things are sort of taken away nicely, and you're not too much in the, in the foreground?
4: Yeah, you know, my job's obviously for that day-to-day running, and you know, I've always been the same. Roll my sleeves up like everybody else and get stuck into to you know any matter at hand really. So, you know, match days I'm in the you know sort of the back, you know, helping whether it's ticketing or retail or whatever it is that needs to be done. Um, you know, very I always say that in football, I've you know hardly watched any games really because I'm always in the background, you know, helping whatever needs to be done on, on a match day. So. I was going to say
5: that I often, when I'm, when I speak to Fleur on on like a Saturday night after uh, after the game or or on Sunday, I'm like, "Whoa, some goal by you know who, whoever it was," uh, and uh, and Fleur's like, "Oh yeah, was it?" I didn't get a chance to see it. I was count- counting pro- programs in the uh, in the back in the back room because it is absolutely true. It's it's the the. You know, Fleur, Fleur is our our midfield engine. I would say she's she's uh, making everything tick over behind the scenes. Um, get on the
4: pitch, and, man! And, yeah, sure. <laughs> I can say that's one. is one thing I haven't actually done in twenty seven years. I'm not the, not about to either. You'll <laughs> be glad to and know. We tried to get Fleur
5: to play. <laughs> we had a, we had a kick around at the end of last season, um, and uh, Fleur was like, "I'll I'll ref," I think, and I think you ended up presenting the trophy to.
1: I just to
4: had to be the bit one fan. That's what I said to do. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Flu, I, I
1: I think everybody appreciates that the work that you do, kind of uh, behind the scenes, and, and maybe maybe a lot of it kind of goes a little bit unnoticed or kind of flies below the radar a little bit. In the time at your clubs at the club so far, what has been the um, the biggest thing for you to address, or what continues to be something that that can be improved upon? Because it's it's been noticeable that the ticketing was an issue, but that seems to have, seems to be coming pretty well received now with the print at home and so on and so forth. Is there anything that that you can look at and go, we've addressed that? And I think as Sean alluded to in his inter- in his interview last year or the start of this year said so there's always going to be teething problems I think people understand that I'd like to think that they understand that you know Rome wasn't built in a day but where, where do you think we're at with, with things now what do you think has been the the, the biggest issues to address and what continues to be
4: yeah, I think, you know, there's been many issues and, you know, we don't hide behind that. Um, you know, we had such a short run in, you know, during the close season to get ready for pre-season with a stadium that hadn't been open to fans for so long. Um, you know, very small, very dedicated, you know, group of staff. Um, but you know, obviously the interest that was created over the summer, you know, getting ticketing, new ticketing system, you know, within a four-week space of time, um, training it out, etc. You know, it's inevitable there's going to be problems problems and challenges along the way uh, and, and not having a head of department within that area to, to run that which we've obviously now got in Pete and he's done a great job to try and iron out you know many of the issues that we had uh, during the summer um, and again that was one of the reasons you know we didn't put print at home on early enough because we needed to iron out some of the back issues that we had um, you know not just with the system but with the with the staff and the, and the way we operated things so you know there's been many many challenges you know there still will be challenges that's what happens as you grow and develop uh, and we'll you know we'll deal with them as as they arise Um, you know as we've seen we've done you know quite a bit of recruitment lately uh, to sort of bolster the team and bring some experience in to try and support and and move things forward you know a little bit more quickly than perhaps you know fans are seeing and have done over over the, the season so far. Would would any club not just at, at sort of step
1: five, but would any club, you know, further at the pyramid, would, would they have experience the same sort of difficulties because of that doubling crowd essentially overnight, and we've gone from four thousand to eight, nine thousand? I think, yeah. Would there be not so much infrastructure in place around that time? That's always going to be a, a kind of swimming against the tide, isn't it? I suppose.
4: Yeah, it's many cl- I know, Premiership clubs had issues, didn't they, at the start of the season with ticketing and entry and everything. So it's not you know, it's not just our club. It's not just National League club. You know, you know, there's challenges that you face, and it, and it's how we react to those and deal with them. Um, and I think we're on top of most things now. Print at home seems to be working, you know, well. Um, scanning on there's always going to be scanning issues on the turnstaff for various reasons, but we deal with those on the match day and. Uh, actually will move forward and it'll be a lot smoother than it has been
1: yeah i think just before i I hand over um i think just just to touch on it we could probably hold a separate podcast on it but um, i think credit needs to go to you and the club uh, and liaising with the authorities to dealing with those sort of isolated instance of disorder that's been addressed very swiftly and banning orders dished out Something obviously we don't want to see the club. Something that we're we're trying to foster that sort of family friendly atmosphere. So I imagine that was something that it's not really been a, a problem. But like anything, you, you you sort of build it and they will come. And there's, there's going to be problems inevitably in that respect as well. So I imagine that's something that the club are keen to sort of stamp out and keep the, the kind of the, 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 their foot on that, I suppose as well.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we've said that with the comms that have gone out, you know, it's that zero tolerance and, you know, there's there's problems throughout the league or leagues as well, sadly. Um, But, you know, for us, you know, we want a, a safe environment for families to enjoy their football, you know, at, at Hayam and Away, uh, and it's really sad that it's that small minority that are causing the problems. But you know, we've we've issued for, you know probably over thirty bans um, in the last couple of months, really. And obviously, there was the, the ban for the fan. I called them a fan uh, for the six-year ban, uh, national banning order that was issued last week you know, that he will get a lifetime ban from the club. Um, you know, and that's how we'll deal with it. with zero tolerance, you know, can't be tolerated. And, uh, you know, want it to com- continue to be a safe environment for fans to come and watch football.
0: Yeah. yeah. Good stuff.
4: Really quickly, one of the problems
0: was obviously merchandise. I don't want to dwell on problems. Did, did Was there just an uh, underestimation of how many were going to be bought? Was that part of the problem? I, I
5: think I'll, I'll speak this only because I think a lot of the, a lot of the decisions around that stuff was taken before flow was in was in yeah, position. I, I so, yeah. because of the lead times, you've got things. So, so it was a combination of factors. I think. I mean, one thing was we. I mean, truly, uh, we had. So, so I think I've said this before, and I uh, forgive me if this is this is it sounds like an old line I'm trotting out. But you know, the gin, which was which was one of the first instances, uh, and was was a pretty egregious instance of people buying gin and then not getting it for weeks and weeks and weeks. That was a, that was the pallets of gin sat in Rotterdam for like three months. Uh, um, we knew where they were. We just couldn't get them. And because essentially they, they uh, it was Brexit. I mean, <laughs> Brexit slash COVID. We couldn't get, there weren't enough uh, um, customs officers at, at Liverpool to receive the stuff in. So we, again, we knew where it was and we couldn't get it. We got some, some flown in. I think from Portland directly to kind of ease the, the, so, so people, people got it, you know, after whatever it was three months or something pretty abysmal by, by anyone's standards. Um, and then, you know, cut to two months later, these pallets of gin sh- showed up by which stage stage we've you know, the club shop, we've got, we've got lots of gin. If anyone's listening at home and they're, You're eager for an Easter gift for a loved one. Um, Come on down and buy some more aviation gin because we've we've got lots more of it now. I mean, we we had similar issues with uh, with the shirts again. uh, Part of the joy and wonder of this job for me is that I'm starting to have to pay attention to things like global supply chains, which I never previously did uh, as a man who you know wrote jokes about uh, people's trousers falling down or whatever whatever it was. I mean that's. That's done me very well over the years, uh, but the uh, you know we had the situation where there weren't enough packing containers, container crates in China. So so then everybody you know various friends of mine who work in kind of distribution centric businesses were suffering from the same thing where they were like we can't get anything shipped out because China put in put in place something where they weren't they they massively cut imports to try and uh, improve their own economy. What that meant was. No one was shipping anything to China. So China shipped all their shipping crates out and then got nothing back. Um, so we then had to, again, similar situation. Stuff got put on the plane and flown over. So, yeah, it's, it's been a big challenge. We, we're hoping – well, we're very confident we're going to avoid uh, those, those challenges. I mean, we've, we've not had any issues with the third shirt since that came in. Um, one of the things we like was just we, we're not announcing this third shirt until we've got enough in the building so that we can we can meet demand because you know we were operating on on what had been a pretty standard system of okay we'll order half of them you know we'll get half of them now we'll get half of them in a few months time um uh, and that was fine initially but then the few months time was suddenly six eight months whatever it was and no, no one was happy
0: well we'll we'll forgive you because you, you seem you seem nice and you, and you mean well so that's that's fine um deal no, is, Diane, that nice? Diane, is that charming? He's come back with oh. more Welsh and a big T- Totally charmed. Right, okay. Um, <laughs> if you've heard the podcast before, you will know that we do a little segment that we'll do quickly now, which is your most fearless in devotion, moment. So at your two short times uh, at the club so far what's the moment that sort of filled you with most passion was there a goal was there a day uh, a single moment that sort of really uh, sort of sticks in your mind I've got one go on
5: um, Jordan Ponticelli's goal again away against Boreham Wood last season yes that great header back across the keeper and there's that great picture of, uh, of Dean and Andy and and oh. um, uh, uh, Carl Carl, uh, yes, jump, like, everyone just losing their minds on on the sideline. Um, that was uh, that was a great moment. I mean, I was that. It's funny because obviously, so much of the focus now is on this season and what the expectations are for this season, and and last season has sort of passed into the into the into the history books. But you know, that was at a, at a point where we were like, we really were hoping. Can you know? Can we just sneak into the playoffs? Can we just? You know, have go on this kind of fairy tale run towards the end of the season, and that win against them kept that dream alive. At a moment where I think we were two nil down, and then and then one yeah. three two, is that right? Um, that was a that was one that I I like lost it when when, when we scored that goal. I'll, I'll also say I'm going to cheat and say take, say two because who's going to stop me. Um, I mean, you guys can cut this out, I guess, but, um, <laughs> uh, Paul Mullins goal against Chesterfield. So that was my first game back at the race course, um, with a crowd. i I'd, I'd been there a lot the previous year. I'd seen loads of games with no one there. And it's, you know, it's still fun in a way. It's still exciting when, when we score, but it's nothing compared to that. And that was a game where we had been, you know, under the cosh for a lot of it. And, and, um, you know they had scored that early goal, and then and then Shimanga missed the penalty, and um, the crowd were, were just sensational. I mean, I, it, it's always sounds a bit pandering when anyone from the club is like, "Oh, the crowd was sensational." But that night there was not a lot to cheer about. There was not a lot to get excited about. But every time the ball went out for a throw-in in their half, the whole place like went up. Like there was it, it, everyone got behind them, and it and it, it created that classic recipe for getting something out of a game that, you know, arguably at that stage we probably didn't deserve because they just infused the players with belief. So when Paul scored that goal... That was that was great for me. I love that
0: flirt. You know, Humphrey's a typical Eton boy. We don't expect you to give us two and take five <laughs> minutes to give it either. But uh, <laughs> whatever, whatever. You, what, is there something that sticks out for you? Sorry, Humphrey, I'm giving you a bit of a ribbon in this one. No, uh, that's
5: that's quite all right. I, after I, I, I mean, he's going to cut all that stuff I said about him being be
0: like Turncoat. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Watch uh, out for that. Anything that jumps to the mind, flirt.
4: No, I just think for me, you know, again, not you know getting to watch the games. I think that the Torquay game, you know, was great for for lots of reasons. Obviously, um, with Robin Ryan attending, but I just think the whole atmosphere, I you know, the, my girls came along to that game as well. That was their first game at the Racecourse Ground, and it was just amazing atmosphere with the fans and you know listening to the anthem being sung and everything. It's a sort of goosebump moment really. So for me, that was you know a fantastic day, and will live long in the memory.
5: Much more concise.
4: That mm. to be short sure, Just stuff. better. I know I've used up all the time. Sorry.
2: <laughs> we've we've sort of touched on <laughs> stuff that that's going off on off the pitch, and it seems to be gathering pace. Um, on the pitch, what are the expectations for for Phil Parkinson and his men men this year?
5: Well, you know, from our, from our perspective, you know, I can speak on behalf of of Rob and Ryan and the board. You know, we uh, the objective this season is is promotion. Like that's what we wanted, and we we. You know, you hope the bonus to that is you gain promotion as champions. I mean, right now we are. It's it's one of those funny things where I mean, I, I listened to, to you guys talking about the uh, you know your your last episode, looking back on on the last year, and uh, I uh, forgive me, I can't remember who it was that, that pointed this out. I think it, it might have been Tim, but you know, if you've been recording the podcast a week earlier, um, suddenly we're we're all feeling pretty good about things. We've we've gone on a decent run. And uh, you know if, again if you're recording it in say the 90th minute of of the Saturday against Maidenhead, after the early blow, you know that looked like a very creditable performance as 10 men, for 90 minutes you know then we obviously get the disappointment of, of their equalizer and and then uh, and then and then the trip to Torquay which you know there's there's not a lot to be said about that that anyone's going to be happy with and I, I I know for a fact that Phil would agree with that assessment of, of, of the trip to Torquay um, but yeah it's 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 such a roller coaster this thing there's 50 more points to play for um you know we've we've Got to where we are, where, where we remain in contention. You know, after Tuesday night, you know, you get a draw between, between Chesterfield and, and Stockport, and that's two rivals dropping two, uh, you know, two points each. They've got to play each other. They play each other again really soon. It's like two weeks, two or three weeks' time, or something like that. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not inclined to, to crown Stockport just yet. I think they, they are playing fantastically right now. If we can get into a groove and play fantastically, like they have done between now and the end of the season, they've got to run a very difficult games. We've got that run of tough games at the end, but we've got to run tough games where we have a chance to affect the outcome. So, Mm. you know, I I recognise that the mood around the place right now is is not uh, particularly positive amongst the fan base about what's going on on the pitch. However, I, you know, personally, I'm going to wait to make my judgment.
0: I'd um, just like to put on the record that it was me that said it and not letting Tim have that. Oh, that's always you. Um, yeah. I mean, that's easy. For, I
5: mean, without tough. going back and checking, can we be sure? I think let's, why don't we just give it to Tim? Um, okay, fine. I often get you and Tim mixed up. <laughs> oh, <Christ>. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's difficult me. when it's, when anyway, when it's on the audio, I don't, you know, I'm not as familiar with everyone's voices as yet. Um, right. But um, yeah, I mean, look, it's, 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 um. By our nature as football fans, we we live and die by every result, and when, and when we win, we're the best team in the world, and when we lose, we're the worst team in the world. And right now, we're coming off the back of two disappointing results in a row. And, and but it, but I would say that that is recognised within uh, you know within the playing s- staff, um, and that you know they are eager to set that right. Mm-hmm.
2: time so I've got a very quick fire questions for you and um, it's for both of you whoever whoever wants to answer just just fire in it's your opinions on the players it's the same five questions we ask every week so who do you think out of your time in Wrexham is the most skillful player these are not legally binding
5: now I would say, I mean, from what I've seen, like Danny Jarvis is a very, very technically gifted player. Like when, when I've watched training and stuff, you can see that he's got he's got a lovely touch. He's got lovely uh, ability. Like he's got, he's one of those guys that just looks like he's having fun whenever, whenever he gets the ball. Um, so I, I think, I think Jarvis is probably there or thereabouts.
2: Next one is, who's the biggest moaner?
5: I think Fleur would yeah. hear more of the moans than I would actually. Fleur raised her eyebrow. Come me. on, Fleur. Come I, in.
4: I don't think I can comment on any of it, to be fair. <laughs> is, it Having Sean, not, is it Sean Harvey? I <laughs> <laughs> thought we were talking right. about players here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: wherever you want, sure.
4: whoever you want. <laughs> what I do yeah. know is since Ben Toes arrived, the music selection has greatly improved. So that's one, question, one thing I do know.
2: right who's who is the most underrated player in your opinion the guy who never really gets the uh never Uh, really gets the credit
5: i've got one for this for sure which it may be more politic for me to answer a lot more as fleur has to has to deal (laughs) with a a lot of these guys a lot more but I, i i'm gonna say kwame again because i i know that like i see people talk you know Online, people are often very uncomplimentary about Kwame. But I, if Kwame hadn't got injured last season, I think we could have finished fifth or sixth. Like he was, it, it's different to like I know people watching on the on the on the um, on the stream and listening on the radio, but watching him in person, he was really coming into his own. And again, he was he was in that position where I think he was our, he was our top goal scorer and our top in our assist league. You know, like it, but for some reason. He is he is kind of derided as this that guy's a WST signing. We got him, you know, we got him on the cheap from somewhere. He can't be that good. He can't be that this that, and the other. And you know, he's not yet this this season. I think hit hit. The, you know, he hasn't had a consistent run of games as the main man. Um, you know, he's, he's been coming in and kind of, he? he's searching for fitness, He come back off, off an injury which at the time we were told there is a chance this might be it for him like uh, as a as a professional footballer. He, I don't think he ever believed that because he's he's got a great attitude. He's also just a lovely guy which which again is not a thing that yeah. sort of, it, it gets debated much about like the qualities of footballers but like he's a very, very popular figure at, at the club and, uh, you know, both on and off the pitch. So, I love Kwame. I've got I've got all the time in the world for him.
0: And the right. club, the, sorry, quickly. The club did the right thing by giving him a, an extended contract as well. So that was that was good. To see. Yeah.
5: Well, thank you. Yeah. It just felt like the right thing to do. And and again, because also we, it felt like the right thing to do. But also, was we were hopeful if we could get back that guy who was who was doing what he was doing in January, February of of last year. He'd be a huge asset for any club at this level.
2: Right. Let's race through who was. Who is the worst dressed
4: player at Wrexham? Mm. I can't answer that because I never see them in the training kit. So. Yeah, I have only <laughs> they trainer, all look immaculate uh, in the training of kit. Of course.
5: I mean Tyler Tyler French has got a he's like a very style street style guy. I mean I would say he this maybe the opposite, he's like the best dressed guy, arguably. But I would say his style is the one that I'm least capable of pulling off, therefore it's the
0: worst. He's usually selling it. On Instagram. He's usually
5: selling a lot of like a lot of very cool sort of Yeezy gear. Yeah. Whereas I'm currently in a dog hair covered like <laughs> lumberjack shirt. That's my that's my jam.
2: Last one of the quickfire. Who's the hardest?
5: Hmm. I get Flur. Do you have a do you have a take on the hardest? Who do you not um. want to fight? Oh, uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to fight any of it. Well, I tell you what, the, the thing that I was really struggling with, I am a bit, I'm tall, I'm six foot seven. Um, I'm not like, uh, I am not I am not hard. I'm not a beefcake by any stretch of the imagination. But sometimes when you get up close, like, whoa, these guys are massive. Like, I didn't realise how big our, like, centre-backs are. Harry Lennon is a big unit. Like, you don't realise quite how big he is until you until you get close to him. But yeah, same, same for... I mean, all those centre-backs are big. Ben, Sean Brisley's massive. I wouldn't want to... Sean Brisley's also got, like, one of those, like, voices that that, uh, you feel like he could be shouting from the top of a sort of uh, oil tanker in a fog... in a fog cloud to warn other ships uh, um, not to come too close. Um, Big, deep voice. So... I wouldn't want to, I don't know, I wouldn't want to fight any of them, I don't think. Can I pick Danny Jarvis again, but I want to fight. Lee Butler does have a handshake, like, it's like having your hand <laughs> trapped between two concrete blocks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I know he really also does a lot of poking and, like, friendly Yeah, he He jabs you in the ribs a lot when you're not quite <laughs> expecting it. Oh, great. <laughs> right.
3: um, I think it's been pretty warmly received, the fact that the... Ground is now in the cl- back in the club's ownership. I think the only question that people really have is around the legal assurances that have been mentioned. Mm. Are there any sort of
5: details that you're able to share on what that would involve? So I think I think what I can say without getting in trouble because it's still like we we've agreed terms, but we haven't like completed the deal and things like that. So I don't think I'm allowed to to talk about too much. But what I can say, which is like straightforward, and I hope is essentially the answer that people are after, is well, I think we've we we are we've agreed, I think I'm right in saying, essentially the same securities that exist in, in the agreement between the university and the WST it is baked into the agreement between the club and the university. So essentially they've passed on the same responsibilities to us that that, that they had. So, you know, I think it's it was even part of the announcement that effectively we've said, uh, you know we will the will be staying there until twenty one fifteen or whatever it is because we've taken on a hundred year lease from when the wst did it with with the university um and the only i mean essentially I think there's also language in there that does allow for the possibility to move but it's only i mean that's only going to happen basically what happens is if we get if we do everything that we want to do to the race course and we get it up to like twenty twenty five thousand and then we've got um, Barcelona coming here every every other week because we're in the we're in the Champions League. At a certain point, it's going to be the best thing for the club to be able to move into a brand new fifty thousand seat stadium on Nine Acre or wherever where, wherever it is that we you know we find on the edge of town. That is, as we know, that's a pipe dream. It's a very long way away, but that that is essentially the reason for that language that kind of says you know unless everyone agrees, it's a really good idea. Um, so you know that protection should extend into you know into the into the foreseeable future basically it's i mean always. certainly 100 years I think it's one of those things where probably ninety five percent
3: of the on base couldn't give a flying fig, you know, quite frankly about what what it entails. But I think you've always got that five percent where I mean, you obviously know the background yourselves in terms of the history yeah. that, the, uh, that the clubs had. I mean, generally, I think it seems as a good thing, though.
5: Yeah, and and that is completely understandable. You know, I I, I think um I I truly. You know, I I couldn't respect more that position of people who are like, look, we we have been burnt really badly before, and I see what the thing I see a lot of people saying, which is you know a, a nice a nice polite way of putting it is like, well, look, we we're not worried about these two, but like who who comes after them, and things like that. I mean, part of our objective. Which I don't think it will come to suffice anyway. We want to make this football club. When the time comes that Rob and Ryan go, which they will eventually, like that is an inevitability, we want to make the football club so uh, such a successful and such a such a uh, you know valuable asset that no one's going to be interested in like stripping it for parts, you know that, that, that it, it would be you know to build a a b and q or whatever it may be would be. A, a, a ludicrous thing to do you know no one's going to take anfield or the etihad not and um, this is going very over the top but like no one is going to take an asset of that size and be like well you know what this would just be easier if we built a car park here um so that that is w- one of the ways in which we're hoping to, to set this up as the most the, the best defense for this club is to make it strong robust and successful because because then it's you know it's, Sorry, my dog is... My wife came in for a second. My dog saw her and then she left. And it's like, what is this? the worst thing that's ever happened.
0: Oh, yeah. Humphrey's gone to check on the dog. I'm just
5: going to grab the dog.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What's your dog called?
5: Hilda.
1: Hilda, of course. Hilda. Here she goes. (laughs)
5: I'm surprised she's not really? showing
1: an
4: appearance earlier. To be honest, Aww. she's been sitting
5: on my lap chewing this like oh, sh- oh. bit of bit of uh, I don't know some part of a cow that she's she's been demolishing.
2: <laughs> Where are you, Humphrey? Are you uh, in the States?
5: I am. Yes. Yes. So this is I'm in my office at, at Mythic Quest, Rob's show. My, my my other job, my other Rob job. That's oh, all She's been <laughs> cut <cart> back. <laughs> <laughs> We had to bring her, her- today uh, to work, which we don't normally do. Me- Meg and I both uh, work at the same place, and uh, uh, she's um, just a big
0: nightmare. Does Meg want to say hello? Because I know that she's been over to Rexham a few times. Darling, do you want to say hello to these people on this call? <laughs> 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 look, These Look at these guys from the
5: Wrexham podcast. Hi. Hi. Hey.
0: Hello. I can't hear you,
5: but
1: <laughs>
0: she's nice to see
5: you. Here. here you go. You can have
0: one of my headphones. Okay. Hi
4: hi
1: perfect family picture right now
4: (laughs) yeah
0: right looking forward to coming back to Wrexham megan oh yeah i cannot wait usually whenever rob uh comes over i can that means i can come too because he can't he won't be here working so (laughs) awesome yeah i I can't wait i really love it and i'd love to come in the summer yes i haven't been there in the summer yet
2: Yeah. yeah you've only been over in the winter. Yeah. The industrial estate is lovely in the summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. The way the sun bounces off the top of the kellum, factory. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh well. Lovely to meet you. Thanks very yeah, much. Nice to see you too. Bye. Bye Hilda. Thank <laughs> yeah. Meg. I know we're over. Humphrey, really quickly, only because yeah. you mentioned him. Where is Sean Brisley? When are we seeing him again? Uh,
5: he's he's around. I know that he's had. I think he had a, a slight knee issue at one point. He played uh, recently. I think in a, a, we had an under twenty threes. Um, well, we had a friendly kind of our reserves versus versus Liverpool under twenty threes. I think he came through that fine. Um, so, I mean, listen. I the one one thing. If I can reassure your listeners about one thing is that I do not pick the team, um, which uh, would be a disaster beyond the scale of anything else that anyone could worry about this season. Just um, call it. it's so almost
0: every
2: position. I Humphrey, just it. Do, do, Humphrey, do you play as yeah. Wrexham on, on Football Manager
5: now? I have done. I don't play Football Manager anymore. I don't have oh, much what? time. Oh, but, well, I was going to you know, ask you if you were better at it now. It's partly because I, I tried as a, as a kind of relaxation technique a while ago when I was when I was in Wrexham. I was like, you know what? Like I'm I'm sitting here in my flat. It's sort of locked down. I'm in my flat on my own. Um, why don't I just fire up Football Manager? And it was it was around January last year, and I signed a player, and I was like, this is so irritatingly easy in comparison to what it's like in real life. <laughs> it just annoys me now because I'm like, oh, this is just stupid, stupid, stupid <laughs> pretend game. Um, so, look, Football Manager served its purpose because I used it to research National League clubs when Rob was trying to work out, uh, you know, who are we going to so- buy, who are we going to buy? It was very useful for that because their their data on people's like training facilities and things like that is is pretty accurate. Um, uh, but yes, beyond that, now not so much anymore. Did we try and sign Schumanga Did we try and sign Shimanga? this yes. January? Uh, any any time, I, I can tell you one member of one member of the hierarchy, Mr. Macklin, was like, "We should sign that guy from Chesterfield." And I'm like, well, "That would be really nice," but I don't know if he. I don't know if we could persuade Chesterfield. That would be really nice. Um, so I don't. I don't know that any serious effort was made to to buy him.
0: I noticed that Colin um, has popped up to tell me to show. Yeah, yes, so, <laughs> <of that>. we, <laughs> we pushed our luck too much here, have not we? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a journalist, man. I've, I've got it's what it's what we. Call. <laughs> Colin was having a power nap
1: and he heard that question come in and like quickly.
0: <laughs> 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 Okay, thanks again to Fleur and to Humphrey for their time. That was a that was a good laugh, wasn't it? They seemed uh, they seemed like they enjoyed it.
2: Humphrey's a good talker, isn't he? Yes, I is. mean he's he's just very natural with this sort of with this sort of thing.
0: And I think you know, Fleur lovely eyes as well. Lovely eyes. Oh, okay. Pretty well, why don't you fun. two
2: get married? <laughs> Could do. Um, but you know, Fleur isn't. I, I'll be honest, isn't as a natural talker. But you know, she she's. Obviously, quietly effective at her job, and I think during the interview came came out of her shell a little bit. So you know, it's you know, she's an asset.
0: What do you make of uh, of the chat, Tim? Yeah, it was good. It was
1: enjoyable. Um, you know, we, kind of they said the things that we expected them to say. You know, we weren't trying to pull them up on anything out of the ordinary or whatever. We just discussed them like like we discussed with any of the guests, really. So, you know, we went through the usual bits and bobs, but it was nice to get an insight of of, of Humphrey as a bit of a go-between between between the owners and and the club and what their daily involvement is and so on and so forth. But it was a nice little insight, and ultimately it's nice of them to um, to sort of keep us on board and, and have that chat with us and have that dialogue. You know, they could have quite easily come into the club and go, right, we don't want to speak to any fans. Let's shut up shop. So they've gone the the opposite route, which is very welcoming and uh gratifying from our point
3: of view, really. There was some uh interesting insights in there. I liked the the bit where uh Humphrey revealed that Rob McElhenney had been interested in going after uh Shamanga, who as we know has unfortunately uh got a bad injury now. But I don't know it sort of confirmed something for me that he is the he is the sports fan, if you like. Um, you know, it's what every Wrexham fan's been saying: is why, you Yeah, know, why can't we go and get Shemanga? <laughs> I'm not sure how realistic it would have been. I think probably the summer would have been the time time to do it. But um, no, it was it was a, it was a good insight, really. Um, also, um, in regards to the race course, you know, I think there's still maybe not a majority of fans, but you know, there's some fans who are going to be wondering what those protections are going to be in place. As good as it is that they they've bought it, I think maybe perhaps the jury's still out on that until we see what the you know what the detail is. But that's a huge development for the club as well. Uh
0: Interesting, sort of to hear Humphrey's take on um the players and stuff, sort of from as a as a fan's perspective, but also what they're like in the camp as well. Obviously, Kwame seems to be extremely popular, um, and he sort of got a soft spot for him. I think sometimes. When you, as as fans, don't have that insight into who are the characters in the squad, and sometimes I, I think it, it just
2: proves that these people are humans, aren't they?
0: They're they're people that they feel you get close to them
2: because because they're good people. I mean, someone was telling me a story yesterday about they, uh, James Jones giving trying to give his shirt to to uh, a lad who asked for it after the Torquay game and getting dog's abuse as he was as he was doing it because he because the team had had a poor game and no it way. just sort of yeah I, I can't remember who's who told it me but you know it's just it just underlines the fact that these these guys they're young lads they're trying to do their best yeah in 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 the game and sometimes they don't have great games and sometimes people really zone in on that on social media but you know we're all guilty of it as well because passions run high when when you lose but i think it's always nice to take a step back and think yeah these these are decent lads these are good lads trying to do their best for the club
0: yeah on the Shimanga thing, actually, before I forget, because it might not be totally clear when you listen to it, listen back to it. He did, Humphrey categorically says, no, it didn't go from in January. There is a no in there that I didn't hear the first time round. So um, that was interesting. But um, where they we went from in the summer, I don't know. And Mr. McElhenney was obviously interested in some form, but the person calling the shots at the club wasn't. Um, now, on to yesterday's match, convincing 3-0 win. Tim, what did you make of the match? First
1: 16, 17 minutes were as rubbish as you're likely to see. And then after that, uh, once we got that first goal, which lovely ball from McFadden, great header, never really looked back. You know, Jordan's goal was classic Jordan Davis goal. Hayden's header late on. Just just nice. It was just nice to see Wrexham team control the game for pretty much the entirety by that first 15, 16-minute spell. And do it in a comfortable manner against what was essentially a, a promotion rival. I'm not sure if they were at full strength or not. I'm not entirely sure, but
0: yeah, you, you can't really have any complaints with it. But... They seem to have uh, all their big names there. I was surprised by how poor they were, to be honest with you. They obviously had a very bad day,
1: but I can't. I can't somebody tweeted it, and I can't remember who it was. So forgive me for the, the lad I'm about to quote tweet, but. He basically said, how come um, Wrexham play like Wrexham in the league, but they play like 70s Brazil in the FA Trophy, which is, you know, it's a
0: fair point. I mean, that's definitely an exaggeration. We did not play oh, yeah. it. Is it, is
1: it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what? The sentiment is the same. I think uh, it's a point that... Kind of. Is, well, is, is
2: it is. the crowd? Is it the okay. fact the pressure's off? The crowd's mm. half what they normally, normally deal with.
1: Oh, we say we say it. it's weird, isn't it? Because like you, you only have to look at eighteen months, two years ago, and you know maybe a little bit longer. You know, three and a half thousand crowd was was the average gate, yeah. <laughs> which is mental. Yeah. And now here we are uh, setting a, a record FA Trophy crowd um, in in our lifetime, well, in in our existence. In it, so. Yeah, it was, it was a really good match. I enjoyed it. Um, it was good fun. It was nice to watch you from the posh seats would change as the, the wind and rain howled down on my parents further the below, which I feel a bit bad for. Uh, but yeah, it was really, really good fun. And you can't really have any complaints, can you? Even Paul Marsden had a good game that's like a that, deadly silence from Marsden still. I, yeah, I know. I mean, you, you can't follow that. You can't follow that. There, there, was, there, there was a visual bale of hay passing the screen there in that moment. Um,
2: wow. I, I saw O'Connor's debut uh, against Torquay. I thought he started well then and sort of faded. I think he did the opposite yesterday. I didn't think he had a great start to it and I think someone close to me said he's having a bit of a shocker, but I think in the second half... He looked more the part, and I just wonder what you guys think. Is it going to? Is he the answer to it? Is does that midfield unit look more of a, a solid sort of team with him in it? Um, and is he going to be the defensive midfielder we want? Now, one thing I I, I don't think is he's not the Lee Fowler type. He's not going to take the ball from the centre halves, shift his body, move, do it. You know, do. Do a, a lovely through ball. He what he is? He's more functional. He's going to get the ball. He's going to go long if he needs to. He's going to block if he has to, and he's going to play it short to, to the more creative players. But I was, I was, a lot, I, I was a lot, a lot better sort of with him yesterday. I think th- there is there is a player there.
3: He's exactly what you say is, and he? he's um, a bit of a disruptor. The thing I liked and that I noticed is that he did keep intercepting the ball, sort of in front of the defense, and he looks for simple passes. He looks a few yards ahead, to the side, that type of thing, or if he needs to, just to get rid of the ball. Like it, it's sort of a midfielder who can just do the basics that, for whatever reason, we haven't had so far this season. So I think that's that could be something good to come.
2: Yeah, I mean, the one thing I would say about O'Connor is, for the first time in his year, he's got in his career, he's got expectation on him. So you know the lad grows up at, at, at Southampton, which is a good academy. He goes out on loan. There's you know if he if he doesn't do well, it's fine. He goes back to Southampton. He starts again. So he goes to Burton. He goes to Burton on a free transfer. He performs well, and now he's got a transfer fee on him. After about I don't know, probably fifty games in the league, he's a two three hundred thousand pound player, and he a, a lot is riding on him. So it may take him a while to deal with that expectation. I don't know what you think, Reese.
0: Maybe. To answer your original question, yeah, I agree with you. He certainly doesn't seem to be that kind of player who's looking for the ball off the back four and wants wants to dictate things. Um, There's some really nice sort of glimpses of what he's obviously capable of. Um, You know, I think it's hard as well for uh, a lad of that age to... To dominate a match, uh, yeah. to to sort of be the general, it's not really that kind of role. I think you have to be exceptionally talented as a, not just as a footballer, but also as a sort of communicator to be able to do that. Um, and you know, as I say, his footballing brain will we'll still be developing when it through your twenties, but you know, certainly looks handy. Um, and I was going to mention the other definite debutants yesterday, not just a home debut, uh, Callum McFadden, and we gave him man of the match, which got a. A muted response that was from the a the, uh, was a the crowd. High pitched what? High pitched what? Shouted out when that was announced. But I thought that for sixty-seven minutes, which is when he was subbed, he was excellent. Two assists. The first, in particular, was a, his first real proper touch they'd had attacking, mm. and what a pitch yeah. of a delivery it was. Yeah.
2: And uh, no, we gave him the we gave him the man of the match. But you know, it's nice to have a player that come in. And do we want them to do well straight away? And we want to build these confidence. And this guy's been out of confidence a little, a little bit because he's not really played at crew. So he's come in. He's had a. He's had a. He's had a good game. Let's build on that. Let's give him the man of the match. Let's show him that you know we want him. We think he can be a good player. And hopefully his confidence will grow off the back of that. So you know it was either him or Jordan Davis. We decided to go for McFazdean for for that reason. Didn't mean that Davis didn't have a great game.
1: Oh, we 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 won. We won three mil, three nil. Several players could have had it. You know, it was, it was a solid.
0: Hayden was quality as well. Hayden was good. Yeah. I oh no, I, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I
1: thought, I thought Luke Young was busy. I thought he was all over the park as well. I thought he played really well. So you got several there. But Leah, coming back to um You look at the the second assist for Jordan. It's just a very incisive ball. But as soon as he plays that ball, he's already on his toes. He's busting a gut to get in that box and support Jordan. We ultimately didn't need it in the end, but that just shows you the, you know, he's only 75% fit there or thereabouts, but the energy levels are really, really good. and I think he might be the player
0: we we hope he is and, and not the player that Sunderland fans think he is. You could see as well, he's a proper wing back because he was hugging the touchline, always looking for the ball, very sort of, if you watched him, he's constantly looking for that ball out to his feet so he can sort of attack and get a ball in from the byline. So hopefully he's exactly what we need and we can play, you know, swap Hosanna and Hall Johnson, whoever's in the most form on the right. And it gives us a bit more of an attacking quality that we can get some balls in the six yard box. And we met him afterwards and he was very nice, wasn't he? He came up to, to, to thank us and give us the, the signed shirt. Did he he told, he told me I smelt better than him. So that's a shout out to
1: uh, Dior Sauvage if you'd like to sponsor us, by all means. Sponsor
2: him quite close uh, to I, him. I mean, to be honest, he had played football for 70 minutes. So, yeah. you know, not that much of
1: a... He had 25 minutes to freshen up, didn't he? Where's he from <laughs> as well, by the way? Up north. Pr- proper, yeah. pro- I thought it was Yorkshire.
2: Yeah. Oh, maybe, yeah. yeah sure. Sheffield way, maybe.
0: Yeah, maybe. Good accent. Uh, anyway, um, what are we on to now? Predictions? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, okay. we'll
1: no, get the predictions. Either, because by the time this goes out, the people will have either listened to it before the FA Trophy draw or after the FA Trophy draw. So who are we all going to, before we do predictions, let's predict who we're going to get. In the draw, who do you want? Okay, do we
0: get points for this?
1: No, we don't get any okay. points. You just get kudos for being right if you end up being right. So who do you want, and who do you think we're going to get?
0: I want Solly Hull, because it's the only one that is within a reasonable distance to me. Selfish. <laughs> yeah. What do you think we're going to get? We're going to get York away. Okay. Oh, okay. I'd love that. Andrew Gilps.
2: I would... I, I want a home draw because me and my mates are coming back that weekend. It'd be nice to see the uh, see the match. I want Sounds a home draw cool. against Needham Market because I just wanted to want it to be easy. Wow. Oh, oh you've said words. it now. last words.
0: Send, this, oh. send this to Needham Market. They're, post-market fans they're, nailing fans. It, they're nailing it to the... Uh, to the they're going to nail their iPads to the... They're going to be burning the a
1: gilping effigy outside of Needham Market tomorrow night. <laughs> Shocking behavior. Oh,
2: they'll be dancing in the streets in Needham
1: Market. And What's the random of Liam. Match? The, who do you think... Who do you think no, so you, you want a home draw. What do you, who do you think that we're going to get? You want Needham Market. Who do you think we're going to get there? Oh, we're obviously going to get Stockport away, aren't we? Exactly. <laughs> obviously. Or not <laughs> County.
3: Liam. Hmm. Uh, like Andy, I won't market, although I'm conscious of the fact that when we actually won it, one of the toughest games was the semi-final against Gainsborough. Um, so it actually, it could be quite difficult. But for some reason, I've just got a feeling we're going to get Dagenham and Redbridge away. Mm, okay. Just because it's the sod's law type of prediction, isn't it? Mm.
1: I'm going to plump for... I I, I will not York away just because it's a new ground, it's in the arse end of nowhere, it's not in the, in the, in the city centre anymore, and it's more rugby league ground really. But it'd be nice to tick it off. However, I think we'll probably end up with Notts County at home, and I wouldn't mind that because it'd be nice to, uh, to get one over after that uh, defeat at their place not so long ago. Yeah, we owe them. Yeah,
2: we shall see. Right, predictions. So we all went for a win, no one went for a 3 0 win. Uh, I was closest with 3-1 so does that give me extra points? Nobody I should've. think it probably does. No. You no. can't go right. every time it happens. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, everyone has, as we were, Reese, you're last with 30, I've got 31, Tim's got 33 and Lima's streaking ahead with 35. Come on! So who, who's Saturday? Remind me. Oh, Wheelstone, I'm going. Wheelstone and Chesterfield. Yeah, I'm going to both of those. So, two defeats incoming.
1: Are, um, we, only, are we only predicting the one? Because we'll be we'll be going out again before then, won't we? before Chesterfield one, because uh, we could do
0: them both to get them out of the way, and then we'd have to do it next time.
1: Yeah.
2: That's that's what we do with features. Get them out the way. <laughs> have the magic. This
0: is our to have attitude them. to podcast. Could you tell us <laughs> Sunday night and we're both... We're all very tired. The very ITV mentality, if
3: you don't mind my saying, Rhys. slapdash? Oh, yeah. Slap dash. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do both. Let's get them out of
2: the way. Um, Liam, do you want to go first?
3: Oh, oh, if I could help it, I'd just stay on and, pro- and follow on everyone else's predictions. Uh, no, oh. I think we... I'll say we'll win 2-0 away at Wieldston, Um, but then lose by the same scoreline 2-1 away at Chesterfield Hang on, 2-1 two, away if you... Oh sorry, no 2-0 away at Wieldston and then lose 2-1 away at Chesterfield so it wasn't the same at all Yeah, We are
2: tired, aren't we? Tim <laughs> come on, put us out of our misery uh,
1: I'm going to go for 3-1 win at Wheelstone. Um, just because I just think it'll be nice to click back into gear. I think Palmer will probably get a couple. Happy days. And I think we're going to shit ours our way to a cheeky late 1-0 victory over the Spyrites just because I really want to beat them. It's been a while. I'd be
2: desperate to beat those. I don't like that club. I think it's 2-0 at Wheelstone to us. I think hopefully it, we've got a professionalism now and a midfield unit. I think it's going to be a draw at Chesterfield. I think they're going to go ahead and we're going to equalise and I think it's going to be one each. Finally, Reese.
0: I'm going to go for 2-0 to us against Wheelstone. I just got a feeling we are going to hit our straps and I'm going to go the same prediction as Andy. That's what I had in my head from the start. One all against Chesterfield.
2: Well, just following me. That's not going to get you out of last place, Rhys. It's not. Like you're playing. You're playing into my hands here. I'm sticking
0: you. to my guns. I don't care. I, I don't play this game. To I stick to my belief, my core principles, which right. is to, to inform, educate, and entertain. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> very. For the next six weeks. <laughs> right. That's it, enough of that. Um, Any, so, anyone going to Wheelstone?
2: Is it just me? Tim, are you coming down?
1: No, I'm working. I'm at a wedding. Oh. Uh,
2: wedding. I know you're not leaving the, the, the county borough of uh, Wrexham.
1: <laughs> I'm not is, I'm not allowed. I've got is, is, a, t- a tag. I can't I can't it's, leave. <laughs> it's you and I Pod have, insurgent uh, salt that are selling the copies down at Wheelstone, so there we
2: are. I have bad news for, 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 for us at Wheelstone. I should have actually figured this into my uh, prediction, but my girlfriend's coming and in six or seven games she's never seen us win, so
0: Sad is yeah. the day. Sad is the day. Mm. So oh, yeah, you reveal that after the predictions. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. Yeah. Say say hi to the Raider for us. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will speak to you next week. Thank you. Bye bye. Ciao.